morning, Grace. Good to see all you guys can do better than that. Good morning, Grace. Good to see all of you guys this morning. And for those of you who are uh, tuning in, we're glad you're with us. And I just wanted to um, just share with you a couple of opportunities I had this last week to um, visit a couple of our shut-ins, which um, I told the folks in the last service... <laughs> They're getting to that age where they have to think about that kind of thing. But um, it's one of those ministries that people tend to forget about, people who aren't able to get out and for physical reasons generally. And um, so I was able to, to see this last week. I was able to see Gene White and uh, Billy Nellums and able to take some food to, to both of them. I, I took Billy some uh, vegetable soup and some brownies. I told her, I said, Billy, it's a miracle these brownies you got here. Because I love brownies, one of my favorite. I didn't even open it up. They could have had nuts. If it would have had nuts in it, she might not have ever gotten those brownies. But uh, you do remember those that are shut in. If you need to know who those are because you want to send them a card, I'd be happy to show you that. Um, it's, it's certainly an important ministry. I don't think it can be stated enough because there are folks literally that haven't been able to come to church in years because of their physical um, challenges. And so we want to remember those that are with us but aren't able to be uh, here on a Sunday. And so I uh, just want to kind of give you that update. Also let you know that um, we're going to be taking a little time off of Second Timothy uh, to address some, some issues as it relates to um, the elder and deacon uh, nominations. Uh, we'll look at the life of an elder today, and next week we'll look at the life of a deacon. And then the following week we'll be having communion together. Um, it's one of those things where um, we're able, actually able to order these little cups, and you, in the top, under the top lid there's a wafer, and then you have the juice. And so um, we have to be a little more uh, creative, I guess, these days. And so we certainly don't want to miss out on celebrating the Lord together. And so uh, we believe we found a, a way we can do that, and I trust that uh, for those of you at home, you can prepare for that if you're not able to get out and be here with us. Um, I wanted to kind of set your minds toward what we'll be discussing today, even though these two passages won't be specifically the passages we look at. I wanted to remind you kind of what the Lord says about elders. Um, I think sometimes people look at, at elders and deacons, that's just an office. Well, that's part of it, but a small part of it. That's, that's the position they hold as elder or deacon. But the responsibilities that the Lord has in mind um, are very important. And he sets forth some characteristics or traits. Some use the term qualifications uh, for uh, these men and how they would serve the church. And I think one of the things that we have to constantly remember is that it is his church. It is the Lord's church. And so um, that, that's very important that we have in mind what the Lord says about his church. And uh, he's the head of it. And then we have the body. And every believer is part of the body of Christ. And, um, and then within the local church... Uh, it seems to be very clear from the New Testament that there are a plurality of elders and deacons. Men who shepherd, men who serve, uh, have different 
roles and responsibilities, but so vital to the health of the body. I feel sorry for those pastors who it, the church is pastor-led and everything is on them to do. Um, I don't think it's a biblical approach. However, it's an approach that some take. But I, mean, I think the Lord built in this protection plan for those that would minister and, uh, so that people wouldn't have the mindset of putting somebody on a pedestal. That's, that's not good because typically uh, when the fall takes place, it's, it's more than the body can, can stand sometimes. So let's keep in mind what God says as it relates to this as we're reading through these uh, passages. So I'd like for you to turn to 1 Timothy 3 and then 1 Peter 5. And I would like to read uh, these sections together. Um, if you would stand as we begin in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And then we'll, we'll advance and go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and look at those verses um, together. All right? 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes, It is a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer. In other words, it's his desire. That's, that's something the Lord gives. It is a fine work he desires to do, an overseer, then, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine, or pugnacious. Now, that's a term that we don't use all the time, but the word means striker. That's the picture there of one who lashes out. Uh, that's not a good scene. It's not a good, good scene. He says, but gentle uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his household, how will he take care of the church of God? Great question. And not a new convert, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he may not fall into re reproach and the snare of the devil. And then First Peter chapter 5, Peter writes, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. I mean, that's just right to the point, isn't it? He's not giving them out. We'll look at that word shepherd later on and look at what it means. Shepherd the flock of God among you, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. That's pretty strong. I mean, when I was growing up in Louisiana... We had elders at Lake Charles Bible Church. And even as a teenager, I watched those men that were, you know, usually on the back of the bulletin. You're like, I don't know all these guys. And then you kind of get to know them by name. And, and you watch their lives. Uh, that's what you're supposed to do. But they're supposed to be examples. It's clearly to the flock. And by the way, that's the whole. The whole. All, all the flock. And then verse 4 says, And when the chief shepherd, shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Well, may the Lord bless 
the reading of his word, and may we give a great consideration to what's being said there. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we uh, certainly um, trust your word. I pray that's true for all of us. That we value everything that's there for us to consider. And This is one of those subjects where possibly some would want to tune out because they're, I'm not an elder and this and that, but Lord, there should be some expectations, biblical expectations on the part of the congregation as to the life of an elder. And uh, we're going to be able to see kind of into that this morning as we look at Acts 20. And kind of uh, in the midst of Paul's testimony, he gives to the Ephesian elders the responsibilities. What is the life of an elder look like and they're tremendous responsibilities and one ones that are impossible to do without a submissive heart to you and I pray that it, uh, you would be with the congregation as they consider nomination of different men to serve as elders and deacons and that over the next couple of weeks as we look at the life of an elder and life of a deacon there might be even a more uh, more clear understanding of, of what you expect and that's where we need to look. So we just ask you for your wisdom and your guidance in that. And uh, be with us as we worship this morning in song and through the word. And may your spirit direct us in Christ's name. Amen. Morning, guys. Y'all can remain standing. We're going to open our service this morning by singing a, a classic gospel song about something that ought to get us all excited, and that's heaven. So you guys sing with us.
by and by we shall be on that beautiful shore. Man, guys, you know, I can't wait till we get to that shore. I told him in the first service, for all, all these reasons, sin will no longer be there. Um, no more trials, no more tribulations, no more distractions. Um, we will be able to meet those who've gone on before, right, loved ones. We get to see our Savior face to face. We will be in the presence of, like that video showed, of the great I Am, the one who the stars and the moon rest on his arm, um, the one who upholds everything. All of existence exists because he allows it to exist every single second. And he is truly indescribable, and that's what we want to sing about next. of the sea Creation's revealing your majesty From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring Every creature unique in the song that it sings All Exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. Are amazing God. Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go? Or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow? You imagine the sun. Your source to its life It conceals it to bring us the coolness of night None can fathom Indescribable Uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God All powerful, untamable, all struck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing God. Indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God. Unchangeable, you see the depths of my heart, you love me the same, you are amazing God. 
you love me the same. You are amazing, God. You see the depths of my heart, and you love me the same. You are amazing, God.
guys, the world doesn't understand it, but through praise, thanksgiving, worship, what we're doing right now, what you would do in your own time of worship, that's how we fight our battles. This is how I fight my 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 battles. I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how we fight our Thank you, praise team. Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Acts and the 20th chapter, Acts chapter 20. And this morning, for our consideration, we want to look at the life of an elder. Now, I recognize that um, there are different forms of church government that exist in our culture. Um, in fact, when I was in New York State as an associate, they only had deacons, and the pastor was the elder. That's a lot on one man. It appears to be in the New Testament that there's a plurality as it relates to elders and deacons, and that it was never to be on one man to be the elder. Um, I'm certainly glad of that. Um, and you know, the way the Lord structured it, he structured it in such a way that, um, there would be accountability among men who serve as elders and deacons. And so as the Lord was preparing me for this morning, he led me to Acts chapter 20. 
And so I want to deal with the life of an elder. We actually have the privilege of looking into this window, if you will, where the Apostle Paul is sharing his personal testimony with some elders. And in the midst of all that, he gives some pretty heavy instruction. Now, if you're a member of the congregation and um, you are thinking, well, how does this apply to me? Very simple. Uh, you ought to expect what God expects of the elders. And you ought to be observant and not simply passive. There ought to be an expectation that you have that's God's expectation. And it's really heavy. The, the office of elder uh, is uh, tremendously heavy. It's very weighty. Um, I've been an elder for about 20 years and... Um, it's difficult at times. I'm just going to be honest with you about that. It's not easy. As Paul is relating his personal testimony, I'm like, hey, <laughs> you know, I get a lot of this. Um, because being a leader in the body of Christ is difficult. Now remember, just for the sake of being exact in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Then there's the body, which is made up of all believers in Christ. Now, within the body, in congregations, there are elders and deacons that have different functions. There's different expectations that God has for these men. And so I want to make that crystal clear at first, that it is God's church, that Jesus Christ is the head of it, that all of us who are in Christ are members of the body of Christ. Um, but within the individual congregations, it seems to me from the New Testament that the Lord had in mind elders and deacons. And obviously that was the case with Paul because, as we're going to see here in Acts chapter 20, he meets with the Ephesian elders and gives them his, not only his personal testimonies, but some very specific instruction. We're given a window into his life. I had an occasion one time where I went to the region's um, golf tournament. It was at Greystone. This was years ago. And um, I was following Hell Irwin and a couple of other people. I can't remember exactly who was in that group. But I always kind of liked Hell Irwin. He was in, at least in my top 20 of guys I enjoyed watching to play golf. And, and we're walking along, and there's this red-haired lady. Is walking along, and she's on the opposite side. And she, every time Hale would make a shot, she was like jumping up and down or hanging her head or whatever. And, and I'm like, that might be somebody very special to Hale Irwin. So you know what I did? We're on par four, and the second shot's hit, and he's on the green, and she's cheering. I'm like, I'm going to find out who this lady is. So I walk over there, and I stand decently close to her and you know it's like one of those moments where you're either gonna speak up or stay uh, closed and with your mouth and I'm like I'm gonna speak up I said I said um what what uh, relationship are you to hell Irwin because I can tell you're you're following him and you're kind of in every shot and she's like I'm his wife I'm like yes I kind of thought that and so for the next 15 to 20 minutes I was walking with Hell Irwin's wife. 
And she was on every shot, and she was telling me about Hell Irwin, things I did not know about him, where he grew up, and about their family. I mean, she's given me, a, I mean, the whole history of what's going on in, in their family and how Hell's done in golf tournaments. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I was just trying to find out, you know, how you're related to him. It's obvious you are. And so I got a dissertation for about 15 to 20 minutes of Hell Irwin, and I found out this. She said, can I tell you something? I said, sure, thinking you're telling me everything else. And she said, um, do you know as much as my husband loves golf, he loves his family more? And I thought, okay. I didn't expect this conversation to go in that direction. My point is this. I got a picture into the window of his life that people that are just walking up and down the fairway might not know. And so I'm like thinking about today's message and I'm like hey we get the window opened into Paul's life and into a critical time where he is meeting with some elders to talk about the responsibilities that they have but intertwined in all that is his personal testimony of a life lived for the Lord which I believe in the context of the passage is meant to encourage them and challenge them And so this morning I want to take you through this section of Scripture. And I want us to look at the life of an elder. What makes up the life of an elder? There's three points of instruction, but we want to take a look at the whole passage together. And I'm just going to read through it, make some comments along the way, land on certain areas, and then I'll let you know when I get to the instruction piece. That will be very, very clear to you. Let's begin in verse 16 of chapter 20. And the context, this is still in Paul's third missionary journey. For Paul, verse 16, had decided to sail past Ephesus in order that he might not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Verse 17 says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. All right, so you have this picture here. Paul's on a journey down to Jerusalem, and he's called for the Ephesian elders. That alone tells me this is a significant meeting, right? He's got one direction. He's on his way to Jerusalem, ultimately on his way to Rome. That's what his, his mind was. But in the midst of that, he takes the time to call for these men. And it's very significant as to the conversation that he has. So he calls to him the elders of the church. And verse 18 says, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. Serving the Lord with all humility. What's that look like? If you're serving the Lord with all humility, there's one word that goes with that. If you're serving the Lord with all humility, there's dependence. You're not depending on yourself. You're depending on the Lord. Okay? That's Paul giving his own testimony to these men. And he's saying to them, Hey, look, I'm serving the Lord, but I'm doing it with all humility. Dependence. Which brings up a good question. 
You know, how do we serve the Lord? Depending on the Lord or depending on ourselves? Don't we know that the great temptation is to depend on ourselves? Our own strength, our own wisdom, all that kind of stuff. You know, we need to depend on the Lord and rely on the Holy Spirit. That's just easily said. Paul served the Lord, he said, with all humility. Notice this, not only depending on the Lord, but there was emotion there with tears. Serving the Lord brings with it tears. Tears of joy and tears of sorrow, I can tell you. Um, And remember, this is just Paul's testimony. He hadn't gotten to the instruction part. But he's telling him, listen, serving the Lord brings with it a dependence on him, but it also brings great emotion. Um, I don't know how many tears have flown down this, these cheeks over the years. A lot. Tears of sorrow, tears of joy. Um, ministry's hard. It's hard. If you're in ministry, which, guess what? Here's a good thing. If you belong to the Lord, you're in ministry. You're like, ah, no, no, I thought ministry was like for those guys that are pastors and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. Here's great news for you. You're in the ministry. Do you know that? Every single believer is in the ministry. And with ministry comes hardship. There's times of joy, but there's times of sorrow. That's just the way it is. And Paul says it. He says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. Look look at this. And with trials. Trials. And by the way, a lot of these trials that come into our lives, we certainly aren't expecting. Right? Right. We're not expecting them. They just come. They just happen. And trials bring with them not only sometimes suffering physically, but suffering mentally. And so it's essential. It's essential that you and I have a mind to know that when we are in the ministry, and we are, there comes with it trials, suffering. I mean, just look at the life of Paul. You know, people want an easy road in ministry. I haven't found it yet. I haven't found Easy Street. You know, at uh, Baptist Montclair, they used to have on their rehab, the rehab unit is called Easy Street. Well, I can tell you this, there is no Easy Street in ministry. It's not. You know how I know? You're dealing with people. It's not easy. It's difficult. Uh, in fact, I had a lady one time Years ago, give me a note. And the note said, sheep stink and most of the time. You know what? Ministry's hard. It brings with it personal trials. But it also brings trials within the church. Paul here is talking about the trials he experienced. Notice he says, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Well, how did he handle that? Look at verse, verse 20. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house. So how did all that impact Paul? He just kept right on going. In fact, he uses a word here that's a pretty cool word. 
<laughs> shrink. He says, I did not shrink. He's going to use it again later on. He says, I did not shrink. The word means to back off or to compromise. I did not back off. I did not compromise. What? From declaring to you anything that was profitable. How many of you know in the context of teaching people that sometimes what you're teaching is not easy to hear? Right? You don't have people standing up going, man, that's awesome. I just love hearing that. But does that mean that you don't teach it? No. We don't have a pass that says, ah, that particular text is just too difficult. My hearers, they won't be able to handle that. Moving on. The Lord hadn't given us that out. We have to declare all of it. And he says, I did not shrink, back off from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And teaching you publicly and from house to house. And Paul was all in in serving the Lord, no matter what came his way. And that's what he's telling these Ephesian elders. I mean, how encouraging must that have been to them? Because just like there was persecution in following Christ then, there is now. We may not be experiencing to the, to the extent that they did, but it's coming and it's happening around the world. It may not be happening here, but it's happening around the world. That's what he says. Teaching you publicly, verse 20, from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks. What's he testifying? Well, he tells us. Testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God. That means a change of mind. It means to change your mind toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul's preaching the gospel. He's giving them the truth. That was his mission. As we know from his testimony, he did that pretty well. But he did it in the spirit and the power of the Lord. Now notice what he says. Verse 22, And now behold, bound in spirit, he says, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except, he threw this in, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city that parties await me. Is that what it says? It's not what my Bible says. Saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Oh, okay, time to get out. You know, if I got to go through hardship, I'm done. That's not what he says. In fact, the testimony is that not only did Paul declare, look, this is what I've been told, but he just kept right on going. And guys, listen, in hardship, there's times when we just want to fall down and quit. But you know what's wonderful? A person may not be able to talk you into not quitting, but the Spirit of God can. So what awaited him was bonds and afflictions, chains, beatings. Read 2 Corinthians 11. Well, how did Paul respond to that? He tells them. He says, but I do not consider my life of any account. I mean, if you're going to give instruction to someone sitting across from you, you better tell them about your own life, and that's exactly what he does. 
I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. In other words, Paul is saying, I do not consider my life so valuable that I'm unwilling to lay it down. I'm willing to lay it down. That's a big statement. Think about it. Are we willing to lay it down? That's a huge statement, right? You're looking at that and going, oh my goodness, is this dude human? Yes. But he was willing to lay it all down. He says, I did not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish what? Why? In order that I may finish my course. And we're in the book in 2 Timothy where he, Paul testifies he did what? I finished the course. I finished the course. I finished the course. Is that your mind to finish the course? Think about it. I didn't say, are you going to finish the course? I said, is it your mind to finish the course? Is it, Lord, I'm going to finish what you have started in my life no matter what's in front? Well, sure, we want to say that. You know what, guys? I believe that we have enough testimony of believers in the past to say that's possible. We can endure to the end. Absolutely we can. The apostles were martyred. Man, listen, we can endure to the end. The Lord's going to get me through this season of life. He says, in order that I may finish my course in the ministry, the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. Notice that Paul is careful to point out to these men the ministry he has was from the Lord. The ministry you have is from the Lord. What's your ministry? Have you identified your ministry? That's a good question to consider. Have you identified your ministry? Paul's about to talk to these guys about their ministry and the responsibilities. But have you identified your ministry? You know, as, as parents, your ministry, I believe, should be first to your, to your children. That, 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 that's your ministry. You know, God's given you those children. They're gifts from the Lord, as Psalm tells us. That's your ministry in front of you. They're the ones you're pouring your life into. You know what the church is? The, the church, when, when, when children come to the church, we should just be supporting the ministry that you're already involved in. Does that make sense? We're not replacements. We minister to our children. That's where it begins. But we minister in the church, in the body. How are you ministering in the body? You say, well, I'm taking a season off. Find me the verse. Because I'd like to take a season off sometime. Right in the flesh. There's no season off. Listen. Paul was sold out until he was beheaded. The Bible says here that he had a ministry. Notice he says the ministry he had was from the Lord Jesus. The ministry we have, men and women and young people today, is from the Lord. And it's to our families and it's to one another. It's kind of like I mentioned at the beginning of the service... You know, I'm not the only one, and the elders aren't the only ones, that can minister to people who are shut in. You can do that. And I encourage you to do that. Write them a card. You'd be surprised. When I was talking with Jean White the other day, outside, she's in this nursing facility, and you, they've made it where you can go visit and stay distance, and it's really safe and all. 
you have no idea what it means for her to receive a card. I can tell you because she tells me. See, people think ministry, they think of pastors and teachers and all. Listen, all of us are involved in ministry. And we need to be praying about, Lord, how is it that you want me to minister to this family? Listen, when the Lord puts somebody on your heart and you wake up at four in the morning, there's a reason for that. I didn't used to wake up at four in the morning. I wake up all the time at four in the morning. And you know what? Invariably, the Lord's putting somebody on my mind. Paul knew that his ministry was from the Lord Jesus. And notice what he says. The ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the grace of God. That was his ministry. And that's our ministry. We need to be testifying about the grace of God to people. You know, there's such an um, emphasis right now on politics. There's a social and political agenda out there. You guys know that, right? Uh, and that has become priority for a lot of people. Might I say that's not our priority? That is not our priority. The ministry we have from the Lord is this. Oh, I'm going to get in conversations about politics, but the driving thing in my life is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the person across from me who needs to hear it. Right? Not, I'm going to change their political view. No, you're not. Give them the gospel. Let the Lord work in their life. How about that? So the ministry we have, which comes from the Lord, is to testify about the grace of God. That's what we need to be talking about. You know, not only is there judgment, I think, going on in our culture, but there's a lot of mercy by the Lord right now. We We know the map. We know the next event on the calendar of the Lord is the rapture. But you have a bunch of people walking out there today that are in fear. That what? They need to hear the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace. And Paul indicates to them their ministry. And he says, Now behold, I know that you all, verse 25, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. Boy, that had to be heavy. Because think about how important Paul was in the life and the ministry of the church. Now he's saying, look, you're not going to see my face anymore. That's why I believe one of the reasons he's going through all this. Because he knew that. And so he says, therefore, verse 26, I testify to you this day. So Paul, in essence, is being accountable. Right? He's saying, look, let me tell you. He says, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Woo, that's a huge statement. It certainly makes one wrestle with their own life. Because he tells us why. He says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men because, that word for there is because, because I did not shrink, back away, compromise from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. In other words, I gave it all to you. My hands are clean. That was good. Hands are clean, right? Paul could say that because he declared the whole counsel or purpose of God. He didn't skip anything. And we don't have permission to do that. He said, I didn't back away. I didn't compromise from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. You look at churches today and 
There's some that men that stand behind pulpits that are more concerned about the number of people and the amount of money than they are their souls. It's sad. And it really bothers me because there are many people in churches today that are lost. The church is an event, it's an activity, and they're weak. Hey guys, you know what Paul never assumed? A whole lot. He, I think there's some you know, times where he writes and he obviously knows he's talking to believers. But you know one of the patterns Paul has in the New Testament? He shares the gospel with every church he writes to. Because there are people that sit in churches who do the church thing but do not know the Lord. We need to be about declaring the whole counsel of God to people and not assume. So he says, this is my testimony. I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose or counsel of God. Then he gets to instruction number one for these elders. So look at all that he shared with them about his own personal life. And he's given this his accountability. And then he gives these elders responsibility number one. Be on guard, verse 28, for yourselves. That word, that verb there means to pay attention, to give full attention to yourself. That's where it should start. You say, full attention to what? What's he just talked about? Declaring the whole counsel of God. Elders need to give attention to whether or not they are declaring the whole counsel of God. Are you holding back anything? Are you saying, you know what? I got to give it to them. When it talks about sin, I get talk about sin. When it talks about hell, I talk about hell. Rob Bell years ago wrote a book. Uh, no, hell's, you know, there's really not a hell. What are you talking about? There's hell. In fact, the Bible talks about hell more than it does heaven. There's a hell. And not everybody's going to eventually end up in heaven. How destructive was that book to people? So what do we do as elders? You expect that your elders would pay attention to their own lives doctrinally first. And their own lives practically first. So he says, be on your guard. Pay attention to yourselves. But then he says, and for all the flock. Mm. Notice that little word, all. You are to pay attention to all the flock. You're to consider all the flock. When you're teaching, you consider all the flock. You don't just look at a segment and go, well, I think they're good. You teach all the flock. You don't hold back. You teach the word of God. So he says, be on guard, pay attention to yourselves, and pay attention to the flock. Now notice this next statement. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Uh-oh. Just went a little bit higher, a little bit deeper. Uh-oh. Because it's the Holy Spirit... Who's made you overseers. And that word overseer is a term that refers to the position. The Holy Spirit has made you this. He's put you there. What do you do with that? Well, you have to be responsible as an overseer. 
to do what? Notice what he says. To shepherd the church of God. To shepherd the church of God. Notice he does not say to shepherd your church. He says shepherd the church of God. That's a big deal. Because you hear people in saying, oh, that's Thad's church. That's Bill's church. That's no, 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 no. Time out. This is not my church. This is God's church. You know how I know that? About what he's about to say. It's his church. But shepherding does come with responsibility. So we need to understand that term shepherd and the meaning of that. Here's the practical meanings of shepherding. If one is shepherding, mean if elders are shepherding, they're among the people, number one. They're among the people. And they can't be among all of them all at once, but they have to be among the people. In other words, I'm out here and I'm down here and I'm with you guys. That's the picture of elders. They're down there with you guys. Okay? We're just doing life together. That's what elders do. They're among the people. They're not standing aloof going, I'm an elder. What is that? You're among the people. Why? Because you love the people. You want to be around the people. You know, one of the things that's been very difficult for me as a shepherd the last since March is all the people aren't here. I want to be among the people. Can't wait till that day comes, can you? And you know what? If it can't be this side of glory, well, we're going to be with the Lord one day in heaven. All of us be together. Won't that be grand? Well, it means being among the people. Shepherding means being available to the people. You say, well, how often? 24-7. A shepherd is available to his people no matter what the clock says. Remember I had a guy call me one, one time at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, you have to kind of shake your head a little bit to figure out what time it is. I looked over my nightstand, I pick up the phone, I'm like, it's 3 o'clock. I didn't say it out loud to him, but I was like, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And he says, hey, Thad, can you meet me at Waffle House in an hour? I'm like, I'll be there. It's great to eat at 4 in the morning. <laughs> but, hey, you're available, right? That's what shepherds are available you need to expect that your shepherds are available to you. Also, shepherding not only means being among them, being available, but it means protecting the sheep. Yep. And if you're going to protect the sheep as a shepherd, you have to look out. You have to live beyond the moments you're living. Okay? You can't just go, well, I'm just going to, you know, it's just all right here. No, 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 you got to see out. It's important that in protecting, you're able to see what's going on in the culture and in the church culture. And one of the things that I'm seeing that's going on in the church culture for a while now that just bothers me to no end is the mindset of entertaining people. That just drives me out of my mind. Can I just be honest with you? I'm 55 and I can say that. It drives me crazy. Responsibility of a shepherd is not to entertain people. You'd have fired me a long time ago if my responsibility was to entertain you. 
The shepherds are not responsible to entertain their people. They're responsible to protect their people. And they're responsible, and this list could go on and on, but I'm going to give you one more. They're responsible to teach the people. And the source of that is the Word of God. Period. You say, hey, Thad, what about books? Books are nice. I like the old ones better than I like the new ones. Books are nice, but they're no replacement. And by the way, if you're reading a good book, you say, man, this is a great book. If there's no scripture in there, that's a problem. That's just an opinion. I had a guy hand me a book one time, and it was a book on worship. He said, that, this is my philosophy of worship. I was like, great. So I take the book, and I'm reading through it, and there's no scripture. I'm like, man, this is just a man's opinion. When you send your kids to school, or you're the teacher of your kids, and it's time to do math, what do you expect the teacher to do? Teach what? Math. What do you expect a shepherd to do on a Sunday morning, or a Sunday night, or in a small group, or in, in, in Sunday school, whatever? The, you expect them to open the book. That's what shepherds do. That's how they care for their sheep. And by the way, one more time I'll say this, they teach the hard things. And they put themselves out there. Hey, look, guys, I'm in the same boat as you. Going this, down the same river, okay? I've got hardships. I've got things that drive me out of my mind. I've got things that drive me out of my mind that I'm not going to share with you. Things that go on in my life that are just, ah. But you have the same things. Guess what? We serve the same God, and we got the same book. And he tells us how to live. And we either obey or we don't obey. And you know one thing, I admit freely in front of you, when I don't obey, my life stinks. How about yours? Right? So, we don't stop teaching the book. It's the emphasis. That's how we care for our people. So, he says, shepherd the church of God. Now, notice the weight of that, which he what? He purchased with his own blood. It is the Lord's church. He owns it. He owns every single one of us. So ultimately, we're accountable to who? To him. Ultimately accountable to him. Then he gives them a warning. Look at this, verse 29. He says, I know after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Ugh, that doesn't sound good at all, does it? And from among your own selves, he says, men will arise speaking perverse things for the purpose of what? Drawing away the disciples after them. That word perverse means twisted or distorted. Distorting the truth. Twisting the truth. Does that happen in churches? Yes, it does. One of the biggest Issues, and I, I don't know that some do it knowingly or unknowingly. I don't know. I'm not going to give you any names anyway. But there are some people that will take a proverb and make it a promise. Well, a proverb is what? It's a wise saying. It's not a promise. You know, a lot of people, they'll take that verb. I mean, you can hear them. They'll, they'll talk about it all the time on TV. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. That's not a promise. It's a principle. It's wisdom. But 
it's easy to kind of get off the trail. So Paul here is warning these elders. He's saying, look, they're going to rise up from within and they're going to be from without. I had a guy one time um, years ago. This wasn't in Alabama. So you can wipe your butt. Right? Years ago, and, and he says, Dad, I want to take you to, to breakfast. And I'm like, great. I always like to eat. And so uh, he took me to breakfast, and uh, he said, Hey, what's your view on church discipline? I said, Well, I don't know that my view, what I think is really important. I said, The Lord's already spoken to that. This is what the Word says about church discipline. And at the end of that, right, which... which it's unfortunate that so many people land on like the negative of that instead of like this is like God's protection plan for the body, right? So you go to a brother or sister in sin and then if they don't listen, you take two or three and then you tell it to the church. And you, what, the whole time you're what? You're hoping this person is restored. And so he asked me what my viewpoint was and little did I know it was coming to the surface that that was going to be something that was going to go on with him because he was divorcing his wife and leaving her for another person. And he says, Dad, what's your viewpoint on church discipline? And I told him what my viewpoint was biblically. And he said, okay, you're one of those. I was like, yeah, that's right. I'm one of those. I was thinking, is he going to pay for my breakfast or am I going to have to pay for it myself, right? But the reality was that he was wanting to twist and distort to what? His advantage. And there are people like that from within and from without. So what do you do with that? Well, he tells them the second point of instruction. Not only were they to pay attention to their own lives and to the lives of the sheep, but he says, I want you to protect them. Look at this. Therefore, be on the alert. Be on the alert. The idea, the picture there is a protection. The word literally means to stay awake, don't doze off. So, elders... You have to stay awake and you can't doze off because there are savage wolves that want to destroy the body. It's interesting that in Titus, which I didn't point out first service, so if you guys are happen to watch again, one of the issues that he deals with in being alert in the book of Titus is he's talking about the qualifications uh, or traits of an elder. He says... Um, in Titus chapter 1, he says they're holding fast the faithful word. That's what they're to be doing, which is in accordance with the teaching that he, meaning the elder, may be able to both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. You say, well, that, where does that apply? I mean, you know, savage wolves and this whole picture here of, of people rising within and out. Well, think about this. The doctrine of hell, as I just pointed out a while ago, is that a destructive doctrine? If you're not teaching there's a hell, yeah, it's destructive, right? I mean, if you're not teaching about the virgin birth of Christ, is that destructive? It's destructive. If you're not teaching the deity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, if you're not teaching salvation by grace through faith alone in Christ, if you're not teaching that, listen, not only are we saved by grace, but we, we live the Christian life by grace, that's destructive. I'm not saved by works, right? I'm saved by grace. There is, I think, I fear that there is more of an emphasis on works than there is grace. You have to be careful. We're saved by grace. 
Um, and so he tells them in verse 31, listen, pay attention, be alert, protect, protect the body. Notice he says, because of these people, therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. This is heavy for Paul. And he really wants them to protect the body. And that's the responsibility of the elders, to protect the body of Christ. I love the way he closes this particular part out, because this is what he does. He doesn't give them a bunch of, I, let me fix you. Notice what he says, and now I commend you to God. With this in mind, with these instructions, I commend you to God. In other words, I'm handing you over to the Lord. By the way, that's a beautiful picture of how the body should be in relationship to the elders and deacons. Hand them over to the Lord. Just like you say you're going to hand your kids over to the Lord. Lord, they're yours. Lord, the elders are yours. The deacons are yours. Work in their lives. Notice he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of God, that's what... You need to pray the Word of God is so much a part of the elder's life, they just can't put it down. And that there's a dependence daily on the Lord. So that's what Paul does. He commends them to the Lord. And then he closes the section in 33 through 35, and look what he says. Again, personal testimony. He says, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. That's quite a statement. Um, he says, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. So Paul was involved in helping others. And then verse 35 says, In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must, and he's talking to the elders here, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So I'm reading through that and I'm going, okay. He's giving them clarity about paying attention to themselves into the flock, to caring for the flock, uh, protecting the flock. And then he comes down and, and, and there's this one attachment that I haven't heard a whole lot of people talk about, but it's very important. Notice what he says in verse 35. He says, In everything I showed you, that by working in this manner, you what? Must help the weak. So I'm thinking, who in the world are the weak? It's a good question, because if you're going to understand the instruction, you have to understand what he's talking about. Well, if you look at the Greek word, there's two emphasis, two possibilities. And one is physical, that you help those who are physically weak. In other words, they can't provide for themselves. Uh, you help those folks. And that went on a lot in the early church. You go back in chapter 4 of Acts, it says they were sharing everything together. You go to chapter 6 of Acts, and, and it talks about these widows that were being ignored, these Hellenistic uh, Jews who were non-Palestinian, Greek culture, Greek-speaking Jews, and they were kind of being overlooked when it came to serving them. And, um, and so you had serving going on in the church, the early church. And so all Paul's saying is here to the elders is, look, you need to help those who physically can't take care of themselves. But it also not only has the meaning of physical, but it has moral. Mm. So you help the weak 
physically and you help those who are morally weak. Now, that calls for what? If you're going to help those who are morally weak, that calls for what? Well, it means you have to be paying pretty close attention, don't you, to the sheep. That's why you have to be among them. You say, yeah, but... And this is the mindset of most people. Well, if they're walking in that direction, if I see them falling in a ditch, I'm going to leave them alone. Let, let them fall in the ditch. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Is that the mindset of the Lord? No. Do you know there's a picture in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. I didn't share this with them first service. But you never know. They might have had nothing to do, and they're watching again. So if you're watching again, here it is. How do you handle that when you see someone who is weak morally? It says, brethren... If a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of what? Gentleness looking to yourselves, right? Lest you to be tempted. So, in other words, the picture here in Galatians 6, 1 is of a person who's in a ditch. Now, this is a believer. This is the picture in the Greek. It's a person who's in the ditch. How are they going to get out of the ditch? They need what? Somebody who is spiritual to do what? Go get them in the ditch. Now, this is what happens a lot of times in the church, I think, that people look and they go, well, I just really don't don't feel comfortable going to that person. Well, sure, you're not going to feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable when that has happened. But do you want the person falling in the ditch? No. No. So we go to them in love. Now, I'm going to tell you what the response is going to be a lot of the times. Get out of my face. I don't want to hear it. Because they're further down the road in their sin. But that's what he's talking about here. In Acts chapter 20, he says, look, help those who are physically weak. But there's also the meaning of help, helping those who are spiritually weak in the church. Now, when you look at this list of things for them to do, would you not say with me, would you not agree, being an elder, that's pretty heavy. There's a lot to consider. It's not that you're, okay, I'm just going to vote for him because I like him. Or No, 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 no. I mean, I had a guy years and years ago um, talk to me about elders. And his viewpoint was that there needs to be new blood from time to time. And I'm like, hold on a second. And this guy was really a lot older than me. And I'm like, okay, Lord, here's where the rubber meets the road. What am I going to say to him respectfully? I said, but you really mean qualified blood, don't you? That's what you mean. He's like, yeah, I mean qualified blood, but new blood. I'm like, listen, this is a serious time in the life of grace where you're looking at the men in the church to consider them, nominating them for elder and deacon. And an elder is a shepherd. And you say, well, how in the world do I measure that? It's right there in Acts chapter 20. Do you see these men doing these things? If you do, nominate them. And we're going to pray as elders that the Spirit of the Lord would confirm that. But it's very, very important that we don't just have a mind of, well, I want to put this person in or that person in. But, but looking at what the Bible says about that. And it's a very, very serious issue. We don't take it for granted that, hey, this is just the way it's going to be. Or I'm going to, no, we need to look at what it says in the scriptures. You know, we, we want men who 
have the heart here of what Paul is saying in Acts chapter 20. How many of you have been to London before? London, England. I'm sure all of you are familiar with Buckingham Palace, right? And when you think of Buckingham Palace, what do you think of? Well, you think of the palace guards. Have you ever seen pictures of those guys? The high-hatted, square-jawed, that's what they look, these guys look like. The high-hatted, square-jawed, unblinking soldiers who guard the royal family. That's their responsibility. I've always wanted one of those hats. Those are the coolest looking hats. But did you know that the presence of the soldiers essentially testify to anybody who passes by, we care about that family. But what if England used sloppy guards? What if they posted ill-kept guards? What if the guards snoozed at their post or were easily distracted by their surroundings? What would be the conclusion? The obvious conclusion would be this, what? That there wasn't a concern for this family. So as I read about these soldiers and kind of how they acted and behaved and their responsibility, I got to thinking, you know what? In the church... We don't need sloppy elders or half-asleep elders. We need to be alert. That's what the book says. We need men who have a passion for the truth of God's Word and for the people. You say, how do you know who that is? You pray about who the Lord would have you nominate. And you pray for the elders in that process that we will know the mind of the Lord in that. Because it is a difficult process, but so, so imperative to the health of the body of Christ, his church. So you pray about it. We're going to extend the nominations. I didn't tell them this first service, but we're going to extend the nominations through the 23rd of this month. Because I want you to take some opportunity to think about the life of an elder and the life of a deacon and kind of how God sees that. All right? Well, let's pray together. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for your word. and um, Lord, there's a lot to consider as we come into this season where the congregation is nominating um, potential men who would serve on the elder board and on the deacon board. And um, Lord, it's, it's, um, it's an arduous process, but... We do have your word to look at, and um, it should be that we recognize shepherds and we recognize servants. And so I just pray that your spirit would be, just like the spirit was involved here with these men at Ephesus, that your spirit would be involved here at Grace, and that there would be clarity as to who the elders are at grace and who the deacons are at grace because ultimately lord we're talking about the health of your body your church and so i pray that we would have great wisdom that comes from you and that we would understand more fully what your desire is for your church and i just want to close by saying thank you that you are the head of the church thankful for that And help us to look to you, the chief shepherd, um, 
for all the wisdom that we need. We thank you that you have given us your word whereby we can look and go, okay, this is what your word says about this and about that. And specifically as it relates to an elder, this is what your word says. And I thank you for the protection plan that you have in place. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be distracted by the things of this world in this time. Um, It's just every day we're being bombarded with news about things going on. And I pray that your church here at Grace, that we would stay focused on the most important thing. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. I pray all this in the name of Christ who is uh, Savior and Lord. Amen. Guys, well, the uh, citizens of the world are looking to the kings of the world for solutions and uh, comfort uh, for the problems that we face. But um, there's a king who reigns above all others. Uh, That's the king we serve at Grace. And um, this song is about him. So you guys listen to the words. There is a king seated among us. Let every heart receive him now. Where there is praise, he will inhabit. There will be grace and mercy all around. Every burden will be lifted in His presence. Every trophy will be laid down at His feet. There is a name that reigns above all others. Jesus Christ, the King above all. Unto the Lamb, honor and glory, worthy is He who overcame, buried in shame, risen in power, He is alive and the stone is rolled away. All our worship will belong to Him forever. Death is conquered, and our Savior holds the keys. There is a name that reigns above all others. Jesus Christ, the King above all. We'll 
Thank you, B. Brian. Um, I've got an announcement to make, and uh, I just hate to come up here after a song like that to make an announcement. Um, so what I'm going to ask you to do is to focus on something that uh, he just sang about. What a great song. He's going to be teaching this that song to you all for too long, and so you'll have an opportunity to sing it. But one of the things, actually, there's two things I was heard. First time is one time, one thing. Uh, one thing I, deserve, uh, I, I observed in that song, he says, there is a king seated among us. When we come together as a church, of which we're hoping to be together, all together one day, do you think about the fact that we're here and the king is here with us? I mean, the same king, the king of all kings, the lord of all lords, the king of the universe, the creator of the universe. Have you thought about that, that we're here with him? And we have the privilege and the honor, I mean, we have the privilege to be able to honor him and to be able to be here with him. It's a privilege to be able to call, be called a child of the king. And so uh, that, that song just really meant a lot to me uh, during these services today. And it, another thing I observed, he says, all our worship will belong to him forever. And we come here and we worship him not just today and just all right, the event's over with, but it's forever we're going to be with him. What a wonderful king. What a wonderful Lord that we serve him and that we worship. Now, moving on to my announcement, it kind of goes into that because uh, last year we had a group of uh, people to go to a conference. It was the, the Keith and Kristen Getty Sing Conference um, in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, if you go to a conference, you know, you go together and you have uh, you know, you have sessions together and you have plenary sessions together uh, where everybody comes and, and, uh, and, and you hear speakers. And in this case, you do a lot of singing together, a lot of worship. And, and, and if you can just imagine being there with 10,000 people, it's, it's amazing, amazing. Well, this year we can't do that because of this COVID thing. And what they've done, instead of just canceling it, 
they've decided to make it an online event, and they've opened it up globally. So people all over the world are taking part in this thing. And so uh, we, we want to, I'm going to show you a video just, to, just in a minute there. It's just kind of the trailer for this thing. And just to kind of let you know what this is, and I want you to think about, I, I want you to be a part of it. I want our young people to be a part of it. I want everybody to be a part of this, especially our choir members, because it's singing, and we've got some great speakers. I mean, they, they won't even cover all the speakers in this, this uh, video here. So uh, I want you to be thinking about this. This is going to be, uh, it's actually going to be Monday night, August the 31st through Wednesday, uh, sec uh, September the 2nd. And we're going to be doing it up here together, safely, you know, spread out, you know, doing everything like that. We're going to be uh, going through the sessions. We'll be also uh, having dinner together and snacking together and discussing it all together. Uh, it's going to be a great time, and I really would like for everybody to, to think about uh, being a part of this. Uh, show that video right now, if you would, Luke. Time is short. Life is fragile. The urgent need to build deep believers is so great in the world around us. Announcing Sing Global. An immersive digital conference connecting families, pastors, and churches and encouraging deeper congregational worship. Burst into song. And if you're looking for something to sing about, always sing about Jesus. Join believers from around the globe as we focus on the centrality of God's Word in our worship worldwide. This is the purpose of our salvation. For the sake of his praise among all the peoples of the world. Featuring music led from all six continents with over 100 speakers and artists. Four nights of plenary sessions, 40 plus breakout sessions, special seminars and behind the scenes artist interviews. All available for 90 days so you can experience it all. Featured speakers include Keith and Kristen Getty, John Piper, Johnny Erickson Tata, John Lennox, Trip Lee, Andrew Peterson, David Platt, Alistair Begg, City Alight, and many more. Sing Global, August 30th through September 2nd, and available online for the following 90 days. For more information, visit GettyMusicWorshipConference.com. Sponsored exclusively by Christian Healthcare Ministries. Okay, I hope that that just kind of gives you an idea of, of what it is. Now, forget about the 90-day thing. That's for people who have registered and, and everything. Now, we do are going to have, like, uh, since we have eight people, there's going to be 24 passes that will be uh, give, given out that you'll be able to be a part of. So if you'd like to be a part of this, fine. Even if, if it's more than 24, if we have 50, that's great. You know, we're still going to do that. We can't do all the breakout sessions together, things. We can't do that kind of thing, but we do want to focus on those plenary sessions on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a, a really great time. And then there's some things for children, uh, you know, on Sunday. So I want to get with you on that, see if you're interested in that. But, uh, but anyway, uh, I hope that you'll, you'll think about that. It'll be a great time together as we do this together so um anyway just think about that that's august the 31st through the and it's, and it's no cost to you that, that's the great thing you know well you might have to pitch in a little bit for some food here but that, that's about it but it's, it's going to be a conference you go to that you're not going to have to pay for so that's that's a good thing too okay all right if you have any questions please see me or go to my wife denise if you can, if that's her, uh, or go to linda bartlett 
um, and uh, or you know just or just just find me. Call me if you're totally confused about this thing. Uh, please call me, okay? And I'll tell you all about it. And uh, and I hope that you'll you'll join us with that. Let's all stand and let's close today. Father, I just want to thank you for this time that you've given to us, Lord. I pray that God, as uh, as we've been here together, Lord, as we worshipped you and as we've honored you, Lord, in our worship and our singing, Father, and as we've uh, taken in your word, Father, about our responsibility. Uh, as a church, God, that you would just help us to, uh, to understand the seriousness of what our responsibility and is the gospel, Father. And, Father, that we would not be distracted about all the things that's going on in this world, Lord, but we would just be about the gospel. And, Lord, that's our answer to everything. It's about the gospel. And so, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us all together. Father, I just pray that you would just, uh, as we leave here today, Father, that you would be uh, that you would be satisfied with our heart of worship. And, God, I would just pray that you would just be with us as we go through the rest of this week. These things we pray in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed. <laughs>